Welcome back to Survive and Thrive, a podcast that brings you stories and perspectives on how in changing times, leaders and organizations can not only transform to survive, but also thrive in change. I'm your host, Jennifer Ayers. In this season, our third season, we want to help our listeners learn how to positively influence the change they want to see in the organization, how to minimize disruption, and how to normalize the concept that change as usual. We plan to do this by exploring some of the themes we covered in our second season, the eight tenets that drive meaningful, impactful, and sustainable change in an organization. We want to help our listeners really understand why it's important to pay attention to these pieces and how to put some of these principles into practice. Therefore, today, I am super excited to have with me as our guest, Peter Hess. Peter was one of my favorite colleagues that I've ever worked with, and I've had the opportunity to work with him on some very innovative and exciting projects during both of our time at North Highland. And those ranged from starting up a completely new business practice around helping an organization with a compassionate use process in the pharma space to helping an organization completely consider the importance of the future of their employee experience and some of the tactical things that they could do to really improve their employee experience. So I love talking to Peter. He's one of the people that I go to to knock around uh, uh, with ideas and think about what's happening in the future and how do we need to help leaders think about adapting and change in support of their workforce. So I'm going to let Peter give a little bit more background about himself, and I'm sure you will all be impressed. Peter? Thanks, Jen. I'm super excited to be here as well. I really appreciate your uh, including me in your podcast. I think it's just great, especially these days, um, to help people figure out as the world is changing around us, whether it's COVID or political issues or what have you, how do we as individuals deal with change? And then how do we as leaders deal with change? So why should I be talking about this? Well, I've been working in change management in organizations for about 25 years, and I've got all sorts of lessons learned in terms of what uh, might work better and what might not work better. I've worked with organizations ranging from life sciences or pharmaceutical companies to financial services companies to retail. And in all of of those different types of organizations, the bottom line around change is it's all around people. And so my background um, in psychology and human resource management has been really essential to helping me understand what's going on with people and how can we best help them navigate the change. So that's a little bit about my background. I I love that. That's great. And Boy, do you have the qualifications with those uh, studies in your background. Related to this topic of it's all about the people, you certainly have seen and led a number of, uh, you've helped guide a number of leaders through change programs, et cetera. Tell me a little bit about some of your experience where you've had to help lead an organization through change and what has worked well in your experience. Great question, Jen. So when we talk about leading change, just to be clear about my role, I'm, I'm consulting to leaders. So I'm more behind the scenes in implementing the change. Really part of my role is to help leaders understand 
what change management is, why it's important to attend to it, and then probably most importantly, you know, how to actually do it. So my perspective probably will be a little bit more on how to help leaders influence their folks around change than it will be my specifically leading a change. In terms of what I've seen from a leadership perspective on change management, Earlier on in my career, to be really honest, most leaders were very task-focused. And when you talk to them about quote-unquote people-related issues, they said, well, talk to my HR person. It's not really, you know, not really my responsibility, not something that I care about and really focused on. And I've seen over the years a, a, quite a change in that from a leadership perspective in leaders Number one, understanding a lot more that if they don't align their people to what they need to be changing in their organization, it's going to be very difficult for them as a leader to get the um, results that they want and drive the value that they want. I mean, because basically in an organization, you know, you can do whatever you want with the technology to improve, you can change your work processes, but if people don't act differently, then you're not going to get the results that you want. So I think that I've seen a much greater appreciation of the role of people in helping to achieve results and how important that is. And then secondly, I think leaders are coming to understand that part of leadership is motivating people, is helping people through difficult times, is clarifying for people where the organization is going, where their business unit is going, et cetera, and helping them understand why changes need to happen. So leaders are taking it on board a lot more than they used to. I've seen some difference from one one type of organization to the other. So more sophisticated, larger organizations, you tend to see leaders who really do take on that role a lot more. Leaders who understand that, that change management is a critical part of their job and are looking for support in figuring out how best to do it. In smaller organizations and in some organizations that are smaller or maybe have less resources, leaders tend to be still sort of more traditional. So I think from a leadership perspective, the, you know, the key thing is understanding that the, that the leader has a critical role and the successful changes that I've seen are the ones where the leader takes, takes the lead around change. And that doesn't mean he or she or they have to do all of the change, but they really need to show up in helping the organization through. So I love that you illuminated this change, quote unquote, in uh, mentality on the people and helping people through change and through some kind of transformation event, et cetera. Because I, I agree in my experience coming into this space and helping leaders define how to get aligned around this change and navigate through change. In the beginning, it was very hard for individuals to get their mind around this notion that you really do have to spend some time thinking about where people are, how they relate to the change that's happening, what's the implication to them, and how can you help support them through that journey? And it, it, in the beginning, it was in my career, it was like, uh, this is just about communications and training, right? And um, those are, <laughs> while important, not the areas that create, I think, the largest impact. A lot more is in the space of what you talk about, the leaders taking time to invest in understanding where their people are and understanding how to translate that message from where someone, where that organization is today and where they need to be going in the future 
Can you share a couple just examples of, you know, you talked about some of the more successful programs that you've seen have been when leaders are more engaged. Would would you mind sharing, you know, maybe some examples of what you've seen so that for some of our listeners out there who might be in this position, they can be reflecting on how can they in fact be a good leader navigating their teams through change? Yeah. Great question. The first thought that comes to mind, Jen, is getting the leader to the point where they connect change that's occurred for them to what their people are going through. I think that the first like critical step is helping leaders, I guess the simple word is empathize with what might be going on for their employees. From a top-down perspective, they're looking very, very broadly. Leaders are looking very broadly. And they might lose sight of like, what is the impact to an individual of a specific change? Because like right now I'm working on a project where we're implementing technology and the, and the change is helping people to, to understand, you know, what the technology implications are for them in their work. What's been effective with the leaders and what the leaders have been effective with is understanding the individual's perspective and the fact that it's not the individual's not just going through that one technology change. In most of our organizations these days, there are multiple changes happening at once. So the more effective leaders and what we can do as consultants to help those leaders gain this effectiveness are the ones who connect the dots for people. So they not only focus on this is what's changing specifically on this project, but this is how it relates to what's happening in the organization overall and other changes you individual are experiencing. So it's really helping that leader take the individual's perspective in the organization. And then I think the second thing is helping the leader look for leverage points. And by that, I mean, one of the critical voices that people pay attention to are the direct managers. That's one of the most credible sources of information for for most individuals and organizations. The more effective leaders leverage that middle management group and really create accountability on that group to lead their people through the change. We as consultants can then come in behind that and help those middle managers figure out, how do I talk to my people about what's, what the change is? How do I understand what their concerns are? How do we take those concerns and turn them into things that we can actually action? You know, the first two leverage points are leader understanding the individual's perspective and what's going on for individuals and in their organization. And it, in some cases, just reminding the leader of that. The second is really looking at that middle management layer. And then um, I guess the third thing I would call out specifically is connecting the dots. The one thing that I think is, is a stumbling block for many leaders and many organizations is the organizational culture. And when we're implementing a change, and I'll speak about the technology change I'm talking about, one of the things that the new technology we're implementing is helping to drive is more self-service on the part of employees. Now, it used to be in the organization that employees were used to white glove service. So if they had an, an issue or needed support or help, then they would pick up the phone and call somebody, send an email, whatever, right? So it was very high touch. Well, they're implementing a system that will make it much easier for people to serve themselves. But the culture in the organization is still very high touch. And so working with the leaders to 
understand what are those aspects of culture that might help us or hinder us in implementing this change? And what are we going to do to start shifting that culture? Probably is another element I'd call out. Great points. Really important points that I think, especially your last point with regards to consideration of the culture cannot be underscored enough. It's really important to think about that. And it's not something that I think is often discussed when you're considering deploying some kind of new technology or you are creating a complete shift in perhaps how individuals need to respond in the market or respond to the customers, et cetera. So, and another point, I love all three points, by the way, but I love the empathy point right up front because that is something we have heard time and time again, over and over, the the need for empathy is so desperate um, right now, especially. So thank you for calling that out. Yeah. And something you and I were, were sort of um, chatting about before we we started the podcast was, you know, the current world of of work, which is so virtual. And that empathy, I think, relies very heavily on relationships and trust. And it's really difficult to foster relationships and, tr- and trust in a, in a remote setting. Much different, you know, my talking to you over a, um, a headset and a computer than just having a chat with you, you know, face to face. And I think that's one of the challenges that, that we face now and going forward in helping people through change. Totally agree. And, you know, related to that, what are some of your observations as we navigate this next phase of, I mean, we, we joked about this future of work, quote unquote, <laughs> description, because the future is here. You know, what are some of your just observations around what is needed to support some of the organizations that are struggling with new hybrid work environment, you know, new ways of working, supporting their people, it would be great to hear just you know some of your own observation or insights or ideas on how we as consultants who can help coach our our clients through change what we might say to our clients. Yeah, Jen, how how much time do you have? This podcast is <laughs> is like a five day podcast, isn't it? <laughs> well, we we will come back on this theme for sure because it is an area that we are starting to talk about. So I welcome you back for five more hours Thank of discussion. You so much really honestly, we haven't figured it out yet, at least personally, and my colleagues in the consulting organization and the chats I've had with my with my clients, we're still trying to figure out how to best deal with this empathy, trust, relationship aspect of change management, which we, you know, we all know is so important in this virtual world. That said, there are a couple of things that are, that are kind of coming up to me that are helpful. On my Current project, and I'll and I'll tell you um, before I sort of launch into my explanation that I'm a a very clear introvert. Reaching out and chatting with people is not as natural to me. I've noticed with my clients in a remote setting that I get a lot more done. I get a lot more agreement and alignment from them when I just make the effort to find out about them as people. I mean, it sounds so silly. Years ago, when I started out, I was very task focused. And like you can get away with that if you're in a person to person, face to face environment to some degree, because people see how, how you hold yourself. They see, you know, how 
how what your they hear your comments and they kind of can take it into context. That's much more difficult in a remote environment. So I think being very intentional about building relationships is really important. It takes more time, but I think it saves time in the end is kind of the bottom line. The other thing that I found, Jen, and it's kind of a quandary for us, I'd love to, to get your thoughts on it, is giving people information in bite-sized chunks. People just get so much information, especially because you know they don't go to meetings and have those sort of informal alignment discussions. They're getting so much information via email, via Microsoft Teams or Facebook or what have you. So I think that, you know, really focusing on those critical messages and using like visual techniques to grab people's attention, it's kind of a very simple way to cut through all of the clutter in a, in a virtual world. But I think the one thing we really haven't figured out yet is how to sort of repeat or, or bring the informal nature of the face-to-face into our virtual environment, or how to have the proper mix of virtual and in-person. Yeah, that, those are great insights, Pete, and thanks for sharing those ideas. I, I agree with you that I think we're all continuing to explore what works, what doesn't work. And the first point you made around getting to know someone, I completely agree with you. It does take more time. But the beauty in discovering, I mean, it's been fun for me working with uh, our team to ask some of these personal questions to illuminate something I might not have known about them. And it's been fun to see just how other people respond when they hear about, you know, something interesting about an individual they've been working with for years and didn't know. So, you know, I'll give you a very tactical example one of the clients that I'm working on, we had these coaching circles that we do. And in the coaching circle to kick it off, I just invited people to share, you know, a personal item about themselves. And I asked the specific question, what was your favorite childhood toy? And so something as simple as that, it just got the group really engaged right out of the gate. Uh, You know, we started laughing about, oh my God, remember like Legos and all sorts of things. And it created actually a, a different kind of relational connection between individuals that primarily are working in, in a remote space. And, you know, after that, I, I learned that someone has actually done a significant amount of woodworking and, and they were told, oh my gosh, talk to somebody else who over pandemic built like a tree house. So it became this really fun domino effect uh, that invited people to just share a little bit more about some of the things that they don't normally bring to work. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I had Steve Van Valen, who's a colleague I work with from Culturology on to talk about some tips and, and techniques to engage your teams, especially in a hybrid environment, create and foster a sense of belonging. And bringing out some of these personal questions or intentionally asking some of these intentional questions was one of the ways that has come up time and time again as as a really impactful way to connect to people. So I love that. And bite-sized chunks of information, your second point is, can't agree with you more. I mean, we are inundated by social media blasts and, you know, nobody has time to read 40 pages of a PowerPoint presentation or a memo that's 38 pages long or email scripts, or we need to find, continue to find ways to train ourselves and our people around concise and bite-sized information. Actually, 
last week I had the Queued Up podcasting production team on talking about the benefit of introducing audio content consumption internally in an organization. So using a podcast actually to get some of your messages into the organization that might be just general news, or you want to be able to showcase other people's stories in an organization, or perhaps you want to have a standard way that the message is delivered to new joiners about what the mission, vision, values are with the company. And so there needs to continue to be a conversation around how do we engage people in creative communications. I love what you talk about, just you know, visually looking at all aspects of how we can get digestible pieces of information to individuals that's relevant and timely. Yeah, a couple of things come up uh, for me as I'm as I'm listening to you, Jen. So one is in terms of the using a podcast format internally. I'm finding that more and more leaders are comfortable not being as corporate as they used to. So my current project and the last project I was on, we got leaders to just have an informal conversation just like you and I are doing on video. And we captured that, edited it in half a day, and boom, it was out to the organization. And and that has impact, at least in the, you know, our projects on tens of thousands of people. So I think that, you know, that getting those leaders a little bit more comfortable with being a little bit less formal while still like having the right, you know, hitting the right points that they want to convey. And then related to those points they want to convey, I think that that what I'm finding have found over the last few years, and I'd love to hear your experience, is that leaders are understanding more and more that they can't just appeal to employees' sense of corporate responsibility. There's less of a contract between an organization and an employee in terms of lifetime employment, if there ever was. And so I think helping leaders understand, hey, we always talk about in change management, what's in it for you or what's in it for me from the employee's perspective. And I've been more successful recently in helping leaders understand that employees have a degree of loyalty to the organization. And so conveying what's in it for me from an organizational perspective is helpful, but not enough because employees are really thinking about themselves more and more and, you know, portable careers and whether they want to um, pursue different things in, in their personal life from a work perspective, also appealing to individual sense of what's in it for you as an individual is one of the success factors that I think is becoming more important. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that we're at a really exciting time in our history because traditionally, I don't know that leaders would necessarily have been rewarded or recognized for having this kind of a conversation. How are we going to help our people be more engaged, feel more connected, et cetera? We're seeing because of the pandemic uh, people that are the phenomena of the great resignation. I mean, people are taking a step back and they're saying, why do I want to be doing this work that I don't enjoy in a team that doesn't care or value my um, my work with leaders that are not out for my best interest? So I think now more than ever, organizations need to be focusing on how do I help an individual connect their own individual purpose to the purpose of the organization? Right? That doesn't mean that the the organization has to be all about saving starving babies in remote countries. It can be a paperclip company and you can still 
um, you know, nurture this sense of what we do as an organization, what we care about, how does that resonate with the individual, what, what resonates for the individual. I also think we have a responsibility as an organization to create a sense of belonging. McKinsey just printed their report recently on the number one piece that was needed that people felt that they most needed post-pandemic was to have a sense of belonging. So we're human. We need that connectedness. I think the third thing is around organizations doing a better job empowering people to do what they do best and not belittle them or treat them like children, treat them like humans, people, adults. And the fourth, I think, is find ways to support them in developing the skills that they're interested in and that they're curious about. I think those are the things that we need to start doing a better job um, helping our clients think about to really unlock the magic, I would say, in an organization. Yeah, absolutely. Which which kind of takes me back to culture because, you know, our organizations, our larger organizations were set up as top-down organizations. And I think that newer organizations, like in the technology field, for example, might have started out with a flatter structure. And so that, you know, that empowerment is, um, I think, more built into their DNA. But for many traditional organizations, it's not. And so I think you're pointing out a, a fact that we don't talk about a lot in change management, which is like I can work on implementing new technology or implementing a reorganization or, you know, helping an organization figure out how to change to get into a new market. Again, if they don't look at what in their culture is going to enable that change and what in their culture is going to inhibit that change, then it's going to be really difficult for them, no matter, you know, how much they do around the individual change, it's going to be really difficult for them to actually make the change. And so I think, you know, a separate thing that that we could talk about is how do we as consultants kind of bring up that that culture issue in a way that's understandable and that the leader can clearly connect to what change they're trying to implement and the value they're trying to drive for their organizations. Totally agree. Well, you're right. I think we probably need to have a few more <laughs> a few more discussions on a number of these topics because this is this is going to be I think important and will be the make or break for the future success of organizations. Well, let me ask this question of you. In your opinion, what are three things a leader can do to not only help their organization survive, but also thrive and change? I'll tell you what first comes to mind is it goes back to connecting the dots. There's so much happening in our world. There's so much happening in our organizations. There's so much happening for individuals, I think the leaders that are that are much more effective are those who help people understand the the what, the why, and the how, and how it relates to what what else is going on in people's lives, in the organization, and you know for themselves. The second one is figuring out as a leader how they can ensure engagement and alignment from their middle manager. So I guess I'm repeating themes that I started off with, but that middle management layer of the organization is so absolutely critical to engaging people and driving understanding and, you know, helping people to take the actions that they need in order to move forward during a change, um, helping leaders understand the importance of connecting 
with their direct reports and having their direct reports connect with those direct reports, that middle management layer, and really both creating accountability on the part of that middle management layer for driving the change, and probably more importantly, helping the middle managers understand how the change helps them get the results that they're tasked with achieving short-term and, and long-term. So those are probably the, the two that I would call out as being really important. Given the amount of change in organizations these days, I think the third is leaders connecting at a leadership level around the changes that are occurring and making sure that they've got what they would call in the UK a joined-up view of the change and what they as a leadership team are trying to drive in their organization. Because I think that really helps with the connecting the dots, as well as being consistent in the messaging that they're sending, having consistent you know, actions they're asking people to take, et cetera. Love that. Perfect. Great. Well, this has been awesome, Pete. Thank you so much for taking the time to meet with me today. How can our listeners get a hold of you if they want to reach out, connect, learn a little bit more, pick your brain? Sure. Uh, Peter.hess, H-E-S-S, at slalom, like the ski slalom, S-L-A-L-O-M.com. All right, great. And if you mentioned that you heard Pete and his pearls of wisdom on the Survive and Thrive podcast, I'm sure he'll be eager to talk to you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening and joining our episode this week of Survive and Thrive podcast. Remember, at Consinity, we empower the conscious leader to realize positive and sustainable change. Until next time, don't just survive, thrive. Take care.